You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Side can't get it. Now Nick Paul's got it. Going to the goal to the back door. Kucherov scores. It's every game. It's like we get three or four penalties. You know what? It's like we got to learn early to keep the sticks on. That's on us. I didn't see first goal. And second too. Maybe I need to buy some glasses. Certainly. Uh, not not good enough. Excuse my language. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff for the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by Everything Financial. Dot com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. It is a Friday. The weekend is here. We have a lot to look forward to. We have a lot to look back on. We have a lot to do, period. So let's get into it right away. Guest list begins at 6.30 today. Brady Henderson, ESPN, NFL Nation, will join us to talk about the Seahawks and the Cardinals on Sunday. Seahawks, seven and a half point favorites. But there's there's a little bit of acrimony going into this game for the Hawks. It was a disappointing loss against Mm. Cincinnati. DK Metcalf is talking out of turn. He's not making a lot of fans, both in the media and in the room, as I understand it. So we'll talk to Brady about all that uh, coming up at 6.30. We'll get our Seahawks talk underway uh, bright and early this morning. 7.30, Bob the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us tonight, 7 o'clock, BC Place, Lions, Stampeders. This is actually the Lions' regular season finale, even mm. though there's another week of CFL action still. And if they win this one... There's still a very minute chance that they could host the West final. So you're saying there's a chance. Because Winnipeg would still have two games left. God bless the CFL schedule. If Winnipeg (laughs) can lose its way into the playoffs, the Lions could clinch first place next week on a bye. Right. It's amazing. It probably won't happen. Uh, There's like 0% chance. We'll talk to Moj about that at 730. Uh, 8 o'clock, Rick Dollywall is going to join us. The usual with Dollywall, there's going to be yelling. We'll probably get hung up on. There'll be talk from various agents around the league. You know what I wanted to ask him? In In his discussion with all the agents across the NHL, what their response has been to this news, and there was another development last night that the NHL is going to decentralize the draft. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, like the draft is one of the big days for the agents, right? right? They get to go into the stands and sit with the families and get their Show guys. Show off to- their prize prospects. Right. It's a big. Walk them up to the stage and say, make me a lot of money. Put my face on camera. <laughs> a little card, Judd Moldaver underneath it. Yeah. So we'll talk to Rick about all that uh, coming up at eight o'clock. It's also Ask Us Anything Friday, a tried and true staple of the Halford and Bruff show. You can ask us quite literally anything. We will answer it. I suspect there will be many Tyler Myers-esque related adjacent AUAs today. 
I feel like Tyler Myers is going to be talked about a lot today. So uh, working in reverse all day, Tyler Myers, 8 o'clock, Rick Dollywall, 7.30, Moj, 6.30, Brady Henderson. We have a ton to get into. So without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Two goals from Nikita Kucherov, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and their three-game mini-skid 4-3 with a win over your beloved Vancouver Canucks in Tampa Bay at Amelie Arena on Thursday night. Yeah, the Canucks played a half-decent game Thursday in, in Tampa against uh, a Lightning team with um, you know a proven core and a Lightning team that was looking to buck uh, a three-game winless stretch as they returned home from a road trip where they lost all three games. But once again, even though the Canucks played a half-decent game and the head coach loved the battle level of the team, they could not hide the Achilles heel of this team, and that is the right side of the defense. Newell Juleson came out of the lineup. Mark Friedman came in. But unfortunately, there's nobody to replace Tyler Myers, whose play could be faulted on two of Tampa's four goals. Mm. Uh, Myers' first mistake was probably the most glaring when, with a chance to ice the puck on the penalty kill, he put it right on Nick Paul's stick, and the Lightning quickly capitalized later in the game. Myers chased a puck battle. His instincts weren't terrible because there was a chance on the PK to turn over a puck. The execution um, was not good, But the though. problem is he ended up taking out himself and Elias Pettersson on the sideboards, and that uh, I guess that resulted in a five-on-two for the Lightning, and the Lightning quickly capitalized. Um, there were some good things from the Canucks, for sure. Demko made some more amazing saves. JT Miller was a force all night. He picked up a goal and an assist. Mm-hmm. Elias Pettersson, despite maybe not looking 100% out there, added a couple of more assists, and he's near the uh, the scoring leaders in the NHL. And I guess, to be fair to Myers, he did score yep. on a big slap shot. That was one of uh, PD's assists. Uh, to put the Canucks up 2-1 early in the second. Canucks had a great start to the second period. At 5-on-5, five five, Tyler Myers was fine. But the mistakes on the PK and the glaringness of the mistakes outweighed really any good he did. And the Canucks have to be wondering how they're going to be successful with the lack of quality on the right side of the defense. And it's easy to scapegoat Tyler Myers and all this, but... Here's the reality. Tyler Myers, at his age and his ability, just should not be a guy that's counted on as much as he is for the Canucks. So is it his fault on those goals? Yeah, it's his fault. I mean, the the first one, you gotta clear the puck, man, right? Like it's that's something it, it wasn't it wasn't a difficult play. Or at the very least, don't pass it directly to Nick Paul. Well, that's what I'm talking about, right? Like it's that that's not a difficult that that's not a difficult play. And an NHL defenseman should be able to make it. Yeah, there were some things that happened before that. And it was interesting that Rick Tockett uh, after the game, he was talking about the glaring mistakes, four or five glaring mistakes the Canucks made. And it wasn't just like singular mistakes. It it was mistakes that were compounded by other mistakes, and that's something that he's been trying to get out of the Canucks game, and that that giveaway by Tyler Myers, and this was the, the Lightning's first goal, um, was a perfect example. There were errant passes before that play, but 
that's a play he needs to make. Mm-hmm. But what I was trying to say is Tyler Myers is more like <laughs> the very obvious chaotic um, symptom symptom of the, the 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 problems that the Canucks have, and that is that they have one for sure really good defenseman in Quinn Hughes, one top four defenseman in uh, Philip Hronik. He was very good. Last um, time, Ian Cole is good enough to be in the top four, but only as a caddy, I think, to a better player than him. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've got, yep. right? Like, they, think of who else they've got. Carson Soucy, yeah, they've got him. And maybe they need to try Carson Soucy more in the top four. Maybe they put him with Quinn and Hronik drops down to play with Cole. Maybe that's something they have to consider. But they don't <laughs> – you can't make top four defensemen, right? You can't just, like, create them – the Canucks have two and a half of them. Yeah, right. Like two and if you if you count Ian Cole as maybe a guy that can be in the top four, but not having to like carry his pair. Mm-hmm. The Canucks have two and a half. Yeah, maybe three top four defensemen, and that's that's like I do want to focus. You can't, conj- though, you can't conjure do, a defenseman, right? I do want to focus though on Myers because I understand, and I think Thomas Drance wrote an article about this as well. It's like it's not Tyler Myers' fault. It's not. This is a bigger, larger issue. And you're right. He's not the problem of a blue line that's constructed where he has to play the role that he does. He's like, hey, I can only do what I can do. And in certain instances, that means turning turning the puck over directly to the other team or taking out your own players. But there are mistakes, and then there are egregious mistakes. And there's ones that no matter where you play in an NHL lineup, you can't make. Do we have the talk at audio? He spoke briefly. I don't think that Rick Tockett, especially after what he said in Philadelphia, was going to go again really hard, and this time at a particular player. But he did have to address the elephant in the room, or the giraffe as it was, that these are egregious mistakes that in part cost his team a hockey game last night. Uh, Here is Rick Tockett talking about the big mistakes, specifically those by Tyler Myers. Well, obviously, you know, you made that mistake on the first one. Um, I wish he's, you know... Wish he stayed on his feet because that you know if he stays on his feet he probably simply doesn't get the goal. That's like duplicate mistakes. I know he threw the puck away. That's the first mistake. But I think if he stays on his feet, so uh, you know he's gonna have to bounce back. You know we're we're got some people hurt, so he's got to we, we need him to to dial in for us. So what we're looking at here is a guy that had his ice time drop below 16 minutes last night, Tyler Myers. That's without taking a penalty. So it's not like you could say, well, he was sitting in the box for a large chunk of it. He got about two and a half more minutes than the newcomer, Mark Friedman, who had a five-minute major for fighting. Mm-hmm. Good on him for taking on Tanner Janot. Yeah, that was Tanner a Janot's a tough dude. Yeah, he's a big dude, too. He's a big dude. Um, and the reach advantage. <laughs> sure did. He sure did. Um, look, they, they've got an act early in the season. They've got a real issue here. Mm-hmm. Is that at least with the other guys, like Cole and Susie, and maybe with Friedman, you can say, yeah, they're probably playing in an elevated role that's above their head, but they might be able to tread water. Myers isn't doing that right now. He's not treading water. It's like he's trying to tread water, but he's got gigantic weights tied to his ankles that are <laughs> sinking him. I mean, those are bad mistakes. Yeah. I don't know what to say about the Nick Paul play, but I was watching a bunch of highlight shows last night, as I am wont to do on a busy sports night, and Myers's was plucked as the worst play of the day on one of the broadcasters, right? right? I mean, it was, it was a bad play. It was horrific, yeah. and it led directly to a goal. And the tackling of his own player... On it was the four two goal right before it became four three right I can't yeah I think one. it was um, they're big egregious mistakes now here's the thing 
This is a Canucks team that we've said on countless occasions needs everything to go right to be the team that the president, Jim Rutherford, thinks that they can be, right? Yeah, well, Jim Rutherford said that, actually. That's why he said it. <laughs> and I think that you can boil that down to a game-by-game basis. Like, they don't have the kind of team that can afford to have these egregious errors. They probably can't have Demko with a totally off night and win the game. They just no. don't have it. They iced... Hughes and Hronick for 26 minutes apiece last night. Like, there's mm-hmm. not much more you can do with your defense. But the defense, as we said yesterday, and one guy disagreed on Twitter, just one, though, which is good. The defense is their Achilles heel. The question is, is how much is it going to sabotage the season without either A, Patrick Alvin fixing it by yeah. bringing in other guys, or B, it's them suddenly playing better. And I don't know if B is a very big likelihood because I think this defense is what it is. Uh, we had a few people texting in. Uh, Rick Tockett doesn't have the guts to scratch Tyler Myers so much for accountability. That would be quite a statement. Um, <laughs> what would the lineup look like if Tyler Myers got scratched? I'm just, I, because I, I would consider it. I would consider it. Do you just play with five defensemen? No. No, you never do that. I don't know. Hero I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, they're going to have to try something at like, some Would point. it be something like, would you go Hughes and Susie, Cole and uh, Hronik, and then Hiroshi and Friedman? Man, that is – like. It, it, here's the problem, right? Like, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for Tyler Myers, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Rick Tockett, but <laughs> – you take Tyler Myers out, it doesn't look that much better. Now, it's might, it might be something to consider. It might be something to consider. It would sure send a message. Well, but the problem, like, I don't think... I don't think the mistakes Tyler Myers was making was one... It, was, it wasn't It was a lack of effort. Like, no. it wasn't... Like, he, his, the second mistake where he bowled over Petey was just him... He tried too hard. He tried too hard, right? Like, he wanted to... There was a breakdown, or Petey had the puck tied up along the sideboards, and oftentimes that's when you teach your players, you're just like, okay, if there's a chance to create a loose puck or go get the loose puck, go and get it, right? And he just charged in there like a giant giraffe, right? Like this is why Chaos Giraffe was training in Canada, and he just, he just, he didn't do it right, right? Okay. He didn't he didn't do it right. It's fine, and like we got people texting in, jumping the defense, and that's fine. It's a polarizing thing. Yeah, no one wants yeah, to is. blame one person. Totally. I get it, right? Someone said, you guys are blaming Myers on two goals. What players made mistakes on the Lightning that caused the Canucks to score? I don't know. How many Quite frankly, did, I don't care. How many but minutes did you play last night, Myers? 15-58, I think it ended up being. He was he way didn't play low. Much. He didn't play much. But, yeah. Because Hughes and Hronick played a lot. They yeah. played over 25 minutes each. This is... This is uh, this is, this but, is not okay. looking good. And Ethan Bear, I don't think, is going to solve everything when he comes back. I just want to respond back. to what you're saying, though. Like, you're right. This is not for a lack of effort and not for a lack of trying. But this is the NHL. This is a result. I know. It's, it's, not the, it's not the tried hard league. It's the mm-hmm. get it done league, right? Last year, they scratched Oliver Ekman Larson, who made more money than Tyler Myers and had maybe as equal a role on that blue line because he wasn't doing the things that they needed to do to win hockey games, yeah. right? Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying don't do it. I don't think they should do it. I, I, don't, I, I think I, it would be, I'm just saying early that in the season, I'm, there I'm would just, be ramifications beyond just scratching the guy, I think. Yeah, for sure. Danny and Brookswood, also his agent is JP Berry, who happens to be Elise Petters' agent, but whatever. Don't piss him off. Danny and Brookswood, boys, 
at this point, do they not have to move off of the Hughes-Heronic pairing? At least that would allow Myers to be on the third pair. I think so. I think so. I don't think the Hughes and Heronic pairing has been wow, they've been good. They've been I don't good. think I don't think they're good. I don't think I don't think anyone scored when Hughes has been on the ice. Right? They're good. This this blue line is almost exactly what we thought it was gonna be. Yeah. Heronic was great last night. I think he had six he led the team in shots on goal. He had an assist. He played nearly twenty seven minutes. I can't ask much more from him and ditto for Hughes. They're good. It's the guys behind them that aren't getting the job done right now. Yeah. I mean, I'll ask Dollywall when we have him on at eight. Like, are are they going to keep nibbling around the edges and like incrementally improving this blue line? Because no one, and I repeat, no one. He's going to yell something about Ethan Bear. No, they're interested in Ethan Bear, and that's fine. But that's December. Yeah. I mean, and, and who knows what he's going to look like? It's October twentieth. We haven't yeah. even hit the holiday of Andy's favorite, the Halloween. It's still not a holiday. It's a holiday. Okay. So imagine uh, waiting till Christmas. A few other things uh, about that game. Uh, The three stars were Kucherov, Nick Paul, and Isamont. Isamont looked like the classic Tampa Bay Lightning type of player, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're watching him play. I'm like, that guy's fast, right? And he makes things happen. Um, Perbix was all over the ice. Well, no, I just wanted to talk about Isamont because there are, I think, speed issues with the Canucks right now. Mm -hmm. And when I watch players like Isamont and other players on the Lightning, like they seem to have that extra level of speed that not enough Canucks players have. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're looking at Garland, it needs to be it needs to be better. I know PD's piled up a bunch of points. Um, but the best line has, or the best, frankly, I think the best forward has been JT Miller. Hey, he's been great. You know, like he is, he's carrying his line right now. Um, he is making things happen. And as a result of that, Brock Besser is getting scoring opportunities. Um, the one player the Canucks need right now. And I saw a lot of people talking about, oh, they should move Hoaglander up to the top line with Petey and Kuzmenko because Garland really isn't getting it done. And I'm like, fine, try that for a bit. It might work. Uh, Hoaglander showed a few bursts of energy last night, but like you need more, right? You need consistency, and you can't just have a few bursts of energy to play on the top line. You need to have more to your game than that. The one guy they're missing right now is Mikheyev. Mm-hmm. They need more speed in their lineup. They do. They, I mean, they're in a, they're. It's funny because they're an imperfect team, as we've said on a number of occasions here. And last night really kind of embodied a lot of that. Like Tampa Bay is probably going to make the playoffs. Let's let's confidently throw that out there, right? It might be a dogfight, but I would say right now if I was to bet. Here's my prediction. One of Boston, Toronto, or Tampa will miss the playoffs. Okay. But point being, Tampa's a good team. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, they're right? a good Traditionally, team. they've been yeah. a good team. they got a lot of stars. They've got a good head coach. They've got a Norris candidate and heaven, all that stuff. Um, the Canucks were there. For 27 to 30 minutes of last night's game, neck and neck with them, they had them down a goal. It looked all right, but there was differences. And I think one of them was you look at what the Canucks didn't have last night, and you're astutely pointed out they did not have a lot out of that bottom six forward group. Mm. And what was the other thing? They made back-breaking errors, whereas the Lightning didn't, or at least glaring ones like we saw. And when the Lightning got up 4-3, they really kind of found a way to just salt it away. Like they had done it before, right? That was kind of the thing. When the Canucks had the extra man, um, so JT Miller scores to make it 4-3. Yep. And then with like 15 seconds left, 
the Canucks had the puck and they were kind of throwing it around on the outside. And I'm like, you got to got to get a puck on that, guys. Come on, let's go. Let's go. But the Lightning were in just such good position. The Canucks, for whatever reason, like some of them should have tried at least, mm-hmm. but they just couldn't shoot the puck. Like that's a team that I was yelling at my TV in that last ten, ten just seconds. Good, like shoot it, just, yeah. Pedersen just, just yeah. holding on, like looking for an open. I don't yeah. know, so just do it. Just put it on net. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But they're take a, team, a chance. But they're a team that can just like pick, especially Kucherov, man. Yep. Like, yeah, when he's, he's so out, he, like, he they they just see opportunities and they see mistakes and they take advantage of mistakes. I want to play Rick Tockett's audio on some of the glaring mistakes that the Canucks made last night. He called they didn't call them glaring, but he called them crucial mistakes because as much as Tyler Myers was, you know, was was to blame for a couple of goals. There were other mistakes that were being made. I think he might have been talking about Garland on um, on one of the goals. But here's Rick Tockett on last night's game. Yeah, I think our penalty kill is penalty, penalty kills good. I don't. That's the the uh, percentage is not indicative of the uh, of our penalty kill. It's it's very crucial mistakes at the wrong time. Sorry, that wasn't the clip that I wanted. There was one that he started right out right out of the gate, and he was talking about the four or five crucial mistakes that the Canucks made, and he kind of went into more detail, and you know, he used his F3 or whatever. He's like, there was a guy diving at the F3, and I think that might have been Garland. Um, there's a few texts in about Kuzmenko. Yeah, there sure is. Jay from Delta, I feel like Kuzmenko is not going to thrive once again. He was flat yesterday. Analytically, he, he had a great game. Like he was, if you look at his Corsi or his expected goals, he had a great game. Yeah, he played 15 minutes about what you would expect. Yeah, um, production's not there right now. But. I don't like that first line right now. I don't like. I don't like the makeup of it. I don't think it has. I don't think it has the right wingers, and that's why. Well, <laughs> I don't. Be, is it because Gunnar Garland forced his way into it? Yeah, I don't, I don't like it right now. Yeah. I, I think it needs Mikheyev. It needs something. Well, look. But that line right now, and I don't think PD was 100% yesterday. But, but traditionally, like historically. The top the last, line right now, can we all agree, is JT Miller's line? Yeah. Traditionally, histo- I mean, Patterson's production has been very good, actually, yeah. in light of all of this. Mm-hmm. Up, up but, until Myers injured him. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Patterson is. I'm just saying, if last night he was. On a line that I think all of us can kind of agree looks a bit janky at times. Historically, traditionally, yeah, Garland... Four, four of Petey's points are on the power play. Right? Yeah, but it was just all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he's been productive in spite of this, I mm-hmm. would say. Because traditionally, historically, Garland has never meshed very well with Pedersen. They had the one connection in the first game of the year. It was the first right. goal of the year, right? Yeah. And it was fantastic. But outside of that, you just don't see it. The Kuzmenko thing is a little bit more interesting because... Everyone was, I mean, and by everyone, I mean me and Bruff, the most important people. Uh, we were, you know, kind of saying it all summer. There could very well be a regression here due to a multitude of reasons, not because he's struggling or anything. Like you said, analytically, he had a fine night last night. Yeah. If you dig deeper. But at the end of the night, he's got no goals, no assists, no points, right? So that line, I would agree with you. And I use the word janky because it's not that it's bad. It just feels a bit off, like it's mismatched pieces, or yeah. maybe it's just not the right fit. Whereas with Miller and Besser and, and Giuseppe, it, it feels it needs, like it fits and it clicks. It needs a little more force on the wings, I think. I would right? agree. Force. I, I don't know how to define that, but like what Di Giuseppe, I suppose, in some ways brings to the Besser uh, JT Miller line, right? Mm-hmm. If you've got Kuzmenko and Garland on the wings, that's like how many puck battles are you going to be winning? 
how, 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 to get the puck, right? Oh, that's a good point. You know, so, and I think, so Rick Tockett had said earlier that there's a possibility that Mikheyev plays on this trip. Well, there's only two games left on this trip now. Saturday, they're in Florida against Oliver Ekman Larson, who scored last night in a win over the Leafs, um, and the Florida Panthers. And then Tuesday, they're in Nashville against the Predators. Um, what's a successful road trip look like? Uh, I mean, at this they need po- one more win. At for this sure. point, you gotta yeah, you gotta get out of this with three wins. I don't care who it comes against on the weekend, but you gotta win. Or, or, not both games on the weekend, but you got Florida and Nashville left, right? So you're gonna, you're gonna say that you gotta win both of them? Um, or do you? Mean oh right, they started. Overall? Oh right, they started at home. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Um, it's got okay. Bottom line. I'm going to say the start, hashtag the start, not just the road trip. Mm-hmm. They got to win one of these two games against Florida or Nashville. That's it. You lose two, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're going in on a four-game skid yeah. to end it. Uh, any good vibes that you had from uh, sweeping Edmonton to start have been dissipated at that point if you For follow sure. it up with four straight losses. Well, we were saying in the offseason, they got to get out of October at 500. So like if, none if, of this, if you win half your games, you're looking okay at we're, least. Again, we're not talking do or die. Our season no. has sunk like la- the start of last season, but there's got to be a standard where the goal is the playoffs. Every, I mean, someone's jokingly said, oh, we only have to do this 78 more times this year. <laughs> yeah, man. Until they're, until they're eliminated, every game, the reset is going to be where are they with regards to playoff positioning? What do they need to do to get into it? And if they're in it, what do they need to do to stay there? You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for 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 Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. 801 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Friday. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. If you hadn't have guessed, it is time for Rick Dollywall. Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews, find a perfect fit at kintech.net. I was remiss in the earlier segment. Yes, remiss, Jason, to mention that Bob the Moj Marjanovic, one of the three fantastic guests we get every Friday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Moj was a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great selection just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. The other fantastic guest we get every Friday, Rick Dollywall. He joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Gentlemen, how are you doing? It's always a pleasure every Friday. I look forward to this uh, morning every Friday. The pleasure is ours, Rick, because we get to have you answer questions like this. What the hell are the Canucks going to do with the right side of their defense? Okay, so uh, I, I heard Brof uh, Monday morning, I think, talking about this Miscavige kid in Ontario. You know, what's the deal with him? So I, I did some research on him. But let me get into t- Tyler Myers for a second. You know, everyone's pissed off, and, and the fans are irate. Two more mistakes. He did score last night. But I, I get a kick out of sit him, healthy, scratch him, you know, okay. So 
moving Myers, you guys know, is going to be tough, right? Still got the big salary. And if he continues to be a turnover machine, who's going to take him? There's pro scouts at every game. If the Canuck fans know he's struggling, you, you don't think other teams don't know that? And here's the one about sit him a game. Sure, but who goes in? Who's the second pair right shot then? They have no right shot depth. It's a, it's a massive, massive issue. Look at the right side. Heronic, they got in a trade. Myers, free agent. Friedman, Juleson, trades. They have not developed a right shot defenseman in years and years, and they're paying the price. That's why they're in this mess. Mm-hmm. You know, a year ago, if I asked you guys, who's the right shot deep prospect in the Canuck system? You guys would probably say Jet Wu. But here's where there's some good news for Canuck fans. That's not the case anymore. You got Tom Willander. He's coming. You got Cole McWard. The plan, by the way, is to play McWard a ton in Abbotsford. The Canucks don't think he's far away. And then you got this Hunter Buscavich kid who's leading the Ontario Hockey League with 16 points in eight games. Um, I asked around guys to ask why he fell to the third round last year to the Canucks in round three. Some say, you know, size. He's not huge. He's not some said as playing his own end i talked with his kitchener coach mike mckenzie yesterday who says he's been good at both ends of the rink canucks will like that because they told him when he came to the canucks camp to improve his playing his own end he's stronger now he's up to 195 pounds angling's better more mature mckenzie said this is an even keel kid not arrogant or cocky these points won't go to his head very confident believes in himself looks like a solid draft pick Kitchener's in a bit of a rebuild, so he may be traded this year, Biscavich. Now, I can tell you dialogue between the Canucks and his agents continue about a contract. Vancouver's trying to lock him up right now. I can say this to you about the right side defense. It's going to take a while, but finally, for the first time, you can say in a long time, they got some right shot D coming. They're going to develop some, but it's just going to take some time. When's the last time you could say that in Vancouver? Well, I mean, I guess it's good. I mean, I guess, but in the meantime, Biscavich is a couple of years away. Yeah, at least. Right? I, that's in the what meantime, I said, though. Yeah, no, I, I know. No, I know. Yeah. Like, we're on the same page. It's just frustrating yeah. that it's gotten to this point because everyone could see it coming, right? Yeah, that's like, it. it and, that's it. And, um, I mean, do we have anything on Ethan Bear? Like, when when is he when is he even going to be capable, healthy enough to play hockey? Not necessarily that the Canucks are guaranteed to sign him, but I know a lot of people are texting into our show and like, any update on Ethan Bear because the Canucks kind of need him. Yeah, I got I got an update. I talked to uh, his agent uh, Jason Davidson last week, and he just told me that look, he's not in a rush to sign. Um, he's in Kelowna working out. Um, he's still on pace to play in de- uh, December, Jason. Mm-hmm. But um, he's not in a rush to sign right now. I think in November, the, even after the Friedman ta- trade, the Canucks are still in on Ethan Bear. That, I, can, I can tell you that much right now. Um, he is on the radar. And, you know, he's not going to be uh, a very expensive contract to sign. It's going to be prorated. So I think that's one of the reasons. But you know what? The fact that they're still in on Ethan Bear, it tells you what, you know, the problem's on the right side. And it's uh, when you don't develop defensemen. In fact, the only defenseman on the Canucks roster drafted is Hughes. The rest have all been obtained in trades or free agency. That's not good. You know, you look at the active roster 
prior to opening camp. And we mentioned this earlier in the show. Since camp opened, uh, Patrick Alvin's been maybe the most active general manager in the NHL, if not the most, one of the most, right? There yep. was the there was the Pearson trade to get a backup goalie into Smith. So tick that box. They traded a fifth to get Sam Lafferty. They made this most recent trade to get basically Mark Friedman. And Friedman goes right into the lineup. So it's not for a lack of trying. Like Alvin yep. is trying to make some moves. And as you've put it before, working the phones, He's also doing it in a landscape, and we joke because Drance came on the show the other day. Like It took about seven paper transactions just to be able to get Mark yeah. Friedman. They had to get a yeah. line of credit. And yeah. There was a lot of things that they had to do. Lined up outside oh, the bank. Time. Yeah. But, so it's, it's a tough dynamic because you can tell that Alvin wants to make improvements to the group and I think more importantly knows they need to be made. It's just really tough to do in this environment. Yeah, because they have zero cap dollars available. That's the problem. And my question to you guys is last five or six years, last five, six, going back to Erickson, Beagle, and Russell, this team's been in cap hell. They lost Markstrom, Foley, Tanev, and Stretcher, uh, Stretcher because of uh, cap issues after the bubble in Edmonton. Are we ever going to get to a day in the city where they, they don't have cap, cap issues? Well, that's not that's not a question for us. I think that's a question for the guys. Okay, the team. but no, it is too. You can predict. You know, when 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 are we going to come to a day? Well, it's going to get even harder. They're going to have to resign Petey. They're going to have to resign Heronic. Those guys aren't going to be cheap to resign. How are they going to do this? They committed. Yeah, it, they commit like they're they're. You know, the 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 are, is is one of these wingers going to get traded eventually? Like, well, what's going on with Connor Garland? Do you have any update on that? Okay, just before we get to Garland, let me let me throw this at you. You talk about the cap uh, going forward. There's a couple of painful years with OEL coming at over $4 million, mm-hmm. right? Yep. The Garland trade, teams are asking for a lot in retention. Let's say the Canucks retain $1.5. There may be a couple of years, guys, where you're given close to $6 million for OEL and Garland not to play in Vancouver. So that jump uh-huh. in the cap is basically gone. Like you've, yeah. you've taken so, that out with your dead money. Yeah. So, But I'm, what I'm telling you, uh, go back to that trade. And just imagine if you ever envisioned paying these two guys six million not to play for the Vancouver Canucks. It's just it's it's unbelievable. Um, Are you saying it was I, a bad trade? No, we we here on the show have said it's it's going to be possibly the worst one in the history of the Canucks. Oh my god! And it, it's it's kind of up there with the Cam Neely one right now, it's just can, because but, it's handcuffed this Canucks team so badly. The only re- the reason I get pissed off about the Cam Neely is because you gave up on him too early. Nobody knew he was going to become a Hall of Famer. No. It's just that you gave Tom Watt was the coach, and he gave, he just didn't give him an opportunity, and he left. When I checked in on Garland last night, guys, not hearing anything imminent. That was last night. Just that both sides working hard at it. The Canucks, the new agent, and the teams that are interested. Hard to say when it happens. Every team wants the Canucks to retain money. Some are asking for a lot on retention, and Canucks can't do that. Um, but here's what amazes me about Garland. The Canucks couldn't trade him for over a year. What makes you think it's going to happen quickly uh, if you ha- couldn't do it for over a year and just because he changed agents or the agents involved? Uh, the, the pro- everybody likes the player. Nobody likes the contract. That's mm-hmm. the problem. And that that's why this might linger on. Who knows? Maybe they get uh, they retain and, and and push up their level of retain retain um, whatever they want to retain. But guys, they've been trying on Garland for over a year. Yeah. It, it's it's a hard contract and a capped out NHL to move. Um, Jack Rathbone, I, I imagine he's pretty happy that he's getting a fresh start in Pittsburgh. 
I, I, I did want to talk about Jack for this simple reason. Uh, both sides understood in the summer that if Jack did not make the Canucks roster, it was time to move. Rathbone's, Rathbone's agent, Jerry Buckley, had permission from the Canucks to help facilitate a, a trade, and he did help. Um, the kid needed a fresh start. He got it. There were many, many, many conversations between his agent and the Canucks management over the course of the last year. He almost requested a trade last year. Rathbone had too many guys ahead of him. He fell down the depth chart. He never got a coach in Vancouver who believed in him or had the patience for a project like him. Three coaches, guys. Mm. Green, Boudreau, Tockett. Green and Boudreau were fighting for their jobs. Boudreau thought he was too small to put in the lineup. Tockett saw too many guys ahead of him. When he signed with the Canucks, I want to take you back to this. Remember, it was COVID. He could have gone back for his senior year at Harvard, but it was COVID and the Harvard season was canceled. He could have transferred to another school, but then he wouldn't have got his degree from Harvard, which was very important to him. Mm-hmm. Jim Benning was telling his camp at the time of the signing that he would play in the NHL if he signed, not in the minors. He just couldn't get into Green's good books. From day one, it was never a good match. Five coaches, if you count Trent Call and Jeremy Carlton. Three GMs, if you count Ryan Johnson. Great kid, great family. That's a kid you cheer for. And it just—it was just never meant to be for Rathbone in Vancouver. We're speaking to Rick Dollywall from the Donnie and Dolly Show on Check TV here on the. Oh hey! Oh hey! Well, well, hey! What's up? One thing about Rathbone: go back to the 217 draft. Yeah. Right. Only player on the roster from 217 is Pedersen. Gone. Lind, Gadjevich, DiPietro, Rathbone, Gunnarsson, Palmu, and Broussard, gone. Five picks in the top 100, eight picks overall, one made it. What, when you look at that draft, do yeah. you see more poor drafting or do you see more poor developing? Well, I see, I see five picks in the top 100. You've got to do better with five picks in the top 100 than one guy make it. Yeah. You know, and Travis Green was here for Lind, Gadjevich, and DiPietro, and Rathbone, right? Mm-hmm. In Travis's defense... You know, year after year, he's losing. He just doesn't have time for projects. He did put young guys in. He put in Besser, Patterson, Demko, and Hughes, but he didn't have time for kids who just weren't ready. But that draft, Jason, that one guy, that's it, and the rest are all, you know, either in Europe or done or or, or elsewhere. Yeah, and I mean, it's moved on to other places and had a ton of NHL success. Why is no one taking Cole Lynn? I do remember that line. The first thing, as soon as you mentioned Lynn, I was like, yeah, like Benning really thought that he had landed on something special there, as opposed to maybe there's a reason that he lasted to the 33rd overall pick. Guys, Lynn Lynn didn't leave Vancouver. If it wasn't for the Seattle expansion draft, right, he might still be with the team. I'm not so sure about that. He he was put in the Seattle draft. That's why he had left at the time. He never showed much. In yeah. Vancouver, he hasn't done much in Seattle. He, he was, either, yeah. yeah, he he never showed much. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dolly, any update on Mikheyev? Because the Canucks, I I, I I don't love the mix of the top line right now, and I think a lot of people feel the same way. But if you were to add Mikheyev instead oh, sure. of Garland, then I think you'd have pretty. And the way the Miller line is is playing, like that, that could be a pretty um, good combination of top two lines. But they need Mikheyev, and they need him soon. Oh, yeah, you're bang on. I, all I get told on McCav is close. We're not putting him in unless he's 100% because we're not going to risk putting him in just for the hell of it, and then he gets injured, and then they get ripped for putting him in for the hell of it. He's got to be 100%. He's close. That's what I get on uh, McCav. But I, I'm in agreement with that. Don't put him in just because you've lost two in a row. Put him in because he's 100% healthy because the last thing you need is him coming back early and getting injured again. Do you think the Canucks wish that they had shut him down sooner last season? 
When I asked uh, when I asked Milstein that question, they, I don't get I don't get that they they were all in cahoots together. When the agent is defending the team the way Milstein defends the team on McCav's injury, um, it, it's pretty significant to me because Milstein thinks the Canucks did nothing wrong. He was a part of the process in that decision the whole way through, whole way through. He he doesn't think they he doesn't think there was any. Issue. Why did they wait so long though? Yeah, well, I, one of it is I, I'm going to guess the player wanted to keep playing. Um, were they not at that time, uh, guys? If you can re- recollect, were they still in a kind of a playoff no. push? Or, no, no, no. Okay, so no. they were they were no. they were done. I mean, they, they could done. they could they could be like, well, there's always a chance kind of mode. I mean, three percent chance of making the playoffs. But, you know, I think in hindsight, I think in hindsight, they waited too long. And it's okay to make that conclusion, right? It's fine. Yeah. But, the, yeah. you know, not saying it was nefarious or anything, but, you know, and, and, and I get that Milstein is saying, like, listen, I don't want to make this, um, yeah. I don't want to make this ugly with a team that, frankly, I do a lot of business with, and I'm going to go to the wall for them. But I think in hindsight, like, they waited too long. And you know why? Because he's not ready to play. <laughs> Yeah. And the Canucks really need a guy like him. Have you noticed that the Canucks are slow? Like, they need yeah. some speed. Lafferty has helped a little bit. But overall, you watch Tampa Bay play, and they got some speedsters. The Canucks really don't. Yeah, well, and, and some of the teams that are in on Garland are, are looking for his speed. They're aging teams. And, you know, some of them are speed, 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 right? And I want to get one more uh, note in for you guys. Yeah. Uh, the Canucks are having dialogue with the advisor for Michigan defenseman Jacob Scott, final year, mm-hmm. fourth rounder 2020. If he doesn't sign with the Canucks, he's going to be UFA this summer. So they're uh, they're talking with his advisor, see if uh, that's uh, another defenseman. He's not a right shot. He's a left shot. Hey, Rick, I don't want to throw you on the spot here, but I know you talk to a lot of agents and you talk to them on a near daily basis. Uh, have you spoken with any of them about the NHL's potential move with regards to the draft, decentralizing the draft, not having it as we know with everyone sitting up in attendance and, you know, the yeah. traditional draft? It sounds as though the change is going to happen. I'm just wondering what the agents think because that's often their time to shine. Yeah, and I haven't, Mike, because I've been uh, busy with other stuff, and that's a good uh, that's a good one to get to. I, you know what I like about the NHL executives at the draft is the cameras are on every GM <laughs> and assistant GM. Do you remember last year when Alvin, uh, there was a possible trade, and he, he, he looked, the camera had him looking at Rutherford, asking him a question. Mm-hmm. That intrigue is what I want. You know, and I like watching uh, the kids. The kids going up, the families there. The uh, I, I like that intrigue when a, a team takes a timeout, and then the, the the camera focuses on the GM. Okay, who's he talking to? You know, and and I I, I like that. I don't want them to go and leave that. I think that I I think the camera work at those things is incredible. I think it's a big thing, and I I, I don't want them to leave that. Rick, thanks for doing this, bud. You're the best. Have a good day. Adios. Yep, uh, Rick Dollywall. From Donnie and Dolly on Check TV here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. I'm not going to lie. That was kind of a plant, that last question. Yeah, get them to go go, go, go talk Just to some ha- guys. Well, yeah, but also like talk about it because I want to do a quick what we learned. Oh, I see. From uh, Pierre Lebrun at The Athletic talking about how far down the Like they are – I think this is going to happen. I think the draft is going to undergo a major radical rehaul here. So yesterday – LeBron said that the league sent out a memo to all 32 NHL teams asking them for, quote, one single sentiment or vote 
mm-hmm. by Tuesday. Sentiment. We, eh. <laughs> so what this means is that there's one, there's not a lot of turnaround time. Like it's Friday now. Yeah. Tuesday's pretty quick. We don't even know where the draft is gonna be. Well, this isn't gonna but I so, guess that's, so here's the thing. That's part of it, right? They're planning on having a traditional draft this year in twenty twenty four. Okay. Their goal, and I think it might be a lofty goal, is to have it at the Sphere in Las Vegas. Ooh, that'd be a good idea. Now, I don't know if they can swing it because it costs a lot of money, apparently, mm. to like you know rent the Sphere, right. which is what they'd essentially have to do. Um, but the, like you two, get out of here. Right, but the idea is have one final quote-unquote traditional draft. Mm. LeBron went on to say that he sort of did like not necessarily a straw poll, but he talked to about 12 different general managers. The majority were like, yeah. Make the change, decentralize really? it. Well, I think it's a two two part thing. One, and kudos to the NHL because they made the hand gesture with the money. They're like cost savings. We're going to save you some money, travel, right? Budgeting. Arizona Coyotes, you don't have to get bespoke suits for fourteen guys, so they look like a barbershop quartet up there. You don't have to do that anymore. What was the other reason? Well, I think it was a nod to the broadcast partners. If we're being perfectly honest, this is this is the quiet part that someone's saying that I'm saying it, and this right. is my opinion only. Oh, okay. I think they, they they said to the broadcast partners, okay, we're going to give you a better experience. Experience like this. Is, I just wonder if the GMs too are um, are thinking like it's a lot of travel back and forth, and then we got free agency on July first. So, so it's from, like June twenty eighth, twenty ninth, then we got to travel, and we got all this much stuff on the going record. on right now. That's pretty much on the record that the NHL, while selling it to the clubs, is like it's going to be more cost effective. Mm. It's going to make your lives easier, and you're not going to have to worry about like, oh my god, our flight got delayed. And now we're going to miss the first day of free agency because it is a tight calendar, right? I wonder if we should, uh, we should next time we chat with David Amber, we should talk about this because he's the guy. And you're talking about the broadcasters, right? I felt bad for him. I don't want to put him on the spot, but I, you're season. totally right. You know, like and, and and this could be a sensitive subject, right? But he might. There were times last year I was like, man, these guys are really treading water out there, right? And Too much of it is unscripted. Too much. And there's too much downtime. Yeah, there's, there's too much. Too much. To, when the guys are walking up on the stage, mm-hmm. and then the guys are like, "And here comes the Coyotes" or whatever. And sometimes the worst part would be, sometimes the, code, the like some teams are up there three times. Yeah, yeah. Right? Go back and watch an NFL draft or an NBA draft, and see the amount of time that the guys spend on stage. It's go up, get your hat, give Roger Goodell a yeah. a, a, a shake hug, a shug mm. if you will. Right? And then you get walked off stage. And then they can do the 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 vignettes about your family, you can have a quick interview where you thank whomever. Mhm. And then you move on to the next. Right now, what it is, is it's a not-made-for-TV event. It's a live event for the audience, specifically family, friends, and all that. That's true. That's yeah. being tried, like, shoehorned into a TV event. And it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Like, It is not good right now. I think that's a really good point. Like, the the draft was originally developed as not a TV event. Right. Right? And it was more developed, and they wanted to make it special for the players that were drafted. And you can understand that. But now sure. it's almost like TV is the most important thing, right? And because it's actually uh, it's a property that gets people talking and gets people watching in the off season. You can sell advertising against that. You can market it. And uh, you know, I I just thought last year's draft. You remember there was that All Star game in Columbus where it was just so dreadful that mm-hmm. something had to be done. I feel like last year's draft was so underwhelming. And frankly, people were saying, like, this is boring. 
that they have to do something. They have to give it a new look. The All-Star game, they brought in three-on-three, and that kind of worked for a little bit. This one, I think they got to go back to the drawing board. And don't be afraid of new ideas because the traditions of the NHL draft aren't that special. Moo cow me because that was technically my what we learned. Okay, uh, we're going to set up the final half hour of the program here. We have been accused a couple times this week of not giving enough time and enough content from the listeners. So we're going to do... Ooh, you guys? The listeners. We will take one, what we learned, and then we'll talk about it for 27 minutes. That's our fault. But today, we're going to go deep, deep into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Since when do you care about the listeners, Mike Halford? I'm going to go deep, laddie. Uh, what we learned is going to ask us anything, so they're coming up next. I'm just laughing because A-Dog, from your Twitter account, or X, you have... At Andy Cole, 1984 reposted what, what they call now it, it is a cartoon picture of a giraffe wearing a number 57 yes that's from that's from Lis- listener bird i did that is that ai i don't know what it is but it's fantastic that is incredible it is. wait can you get do AI? can you say ai make me this picture i think so i think, I think so, that's yeah. how ai works i've never really? tried it but you could be like ai make me chaos giraffe cartoon tyler myers <laughs> and it'll go okay i will do that make me a giraffe on skates looking like it's struggling uh-huh and yeah, it is. It's, it's oh, got the, yeah. one of the giraffe's uh, legs is stepping on his own stick. This giraffe also appears to have a blue tongue. Yeah, there's a mm. lot going on in this picture. It has medical issues. <laughs> <laughs> this giraffe. Are those five legs? I'm counting. Yeah, that, I was I trying to do a leg legs. count. I was trying to do a leg count. Anyway, have yeah, we gone too far with AI? Well, also, I don't think <laughs> five-legged giraffes playing hockey. Four, also, looks more like a cricket. Also, stick four guys stick. sitting around talking about a picture that nobody else can see right now. Great radio. That's good radio. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.